So welcome to the Expert Edge. Uh, today, I'm going to bring you a mentor of mine. His name is Joe Parne. Now, uh, in 2009, I sat uh, gleary-eyed and wet behind the ears, as they say in Australia. Uh, and I had no idea what I was doing in my coaching business. I was a young man uh, looking to make a difference. And there was a trainer in front of me who uh, was my master trainer. And his name was Joe Parne. And Joe really showed me what it would take to build a successful coaching business. And Joe has become not just a great mentor in my life, but an incredible friend. Uh, and if you're in the US or you're in Canada, you may not have heard of Joe before. Uh, Joe is an exceptional trainer. He's a true master. In fact, Joe has trained over 7,000 coaches, not 700, 7,000 coaches. He's done over 3,000 one-on-one life coaching and breakthrough sessions with people. He's he's done over 12,000 hours of group delivery, and he's also completed seven marathons. I'm telling you, this man is incredible. And what, well, the reason why I wanted to bring him on the Expert Edge is because, first of all, I always love bringing coaches who are, yes, highly successful, run highly profitable coaching businesses, but secondly, are a great representation of what it means to build a meaningful and fulfilling life. He's an incredible husband, a great father to his two young twins, and uh, and just a great man. And you'll see this, you'll feel this as it comes through. But really what we talk about today, and I think the benefit of listening to this interview, is we're going to be talking about what it really takes to build a successful coaching business. Like I said, Joe is a true master. Uh, runs a highly, highly profitable coaching business. He's been in the industry for over 15 years, which is very rare. He's kind of like a grandfather in the industry. And so we talk about what it really takes. Like we we unpack because he's trained over 7,000 coaches. And I asked him that question of like, what does it really, what does it really take to be a successful coach because he's seen people come and go and he's seen the people who have actually been successful. We talk a lot about uh, around his topic as well of emotional fitness, which is around how do you discover new levels of meaning and fulfillment in your life and in your work. We talk about this idea of uh, that that he uh, really dives deep into of moving from the ambition world into the meaning world. And how do you integrate these two worlds of, of being ambitious, but also having meaning and fulfillment in your life. And so, uh, yeah, we dive into that. We dive into uh, how to process uncertainty. We talk about, uh, we actually talk about depression, why people get into depression and how to get out of that. Uh, We talk about a lot about emotional uh, management and emotional fulfillment and really just how to be a functional, rounded, exceptional adult human being who can interact with their world uh, make a difference and also make a lot of money, and so that's why I wanted to bring Joe on for you. And my always my intention is to showcase people who I think are, are living a true, authentic representation of what it means to be an authority and an expert in their industry, but also live a fulfilling, holistic, rounded life. And so, guys, I'm excited to share with you this episode with Joe Pane. He is a true master. He's someone who I go to for advice when it comes to my coaching and developing and growth. And I just think you're just going to love him. And so if you find this valuable and useful, which I know you will, please leave a review and write what has been most valuable. I want you to answer that question in the review after this. What has been most valuable 
from the podcast today. Take 30 seconds at the end to just write a review. I'd love to hear that. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a beat on the Expert Edge. So guys, let me introduce to you one of my mentors and good friends, Joe Pane. You are listening to the Expert Edge podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage, position themselves as authorities and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. So Joe Pane, welcome to the Expert Edge, brother. Great to have you here. Thanks, Cole. I'm delighted to be here. It's great. It's about bloody time. <laughs> <laughs> it is about time. Now, it is, it is just a full circle moment for me uh, to have you and to be able to share you with my audience is really special uh, because I, start, I did my first coach training ever when I started, started life coaching. I was you know a young, I think I was like 27 years old or something. It was like 13 years ago. Uh, I 40 started- now? Almost 40, July 10th. Oh my God. <laughs> so That's a couple amazing. Of, a, couple of, a couple of weeks. I'm 40. We're both old. getting old, man. I'm 51 <laughs> and you're 40. That's just we, ridiculous. We need to do something with our life. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta live the dream, man. When are we gonna start living the dream? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, and I remember sitting, sitting in the room watching you do a training and I was just captivated, like completely captivated. So first of all, I, I just want to acknowledge you for the impact that you've had on my life has, has profoundly changed my life. And I wow. wouldn't be living in America right now and wow. experiencing the business that I have without you. And I like genuinely mean that. So yeah. firstly, thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're most welcome. <laughs> thank you for saying that. That's 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 amazing. It's amazing to hear that. Yeah, and yeah. I know you you've trained thousands and thousands of coaches in so many different concepts and areas, uh, and you're someone who, you know, I, I think there are so many people who get excited about this coaching industry, this personal brand mm-hmm. industry, and they're a bit of a flash in the pan. They hit their first speed hump, uh, or they don't get the client that they want, or something like that, and then it kind of ends. And, but you've been in the industry for over, you said 15 years, is that correct? Mm, yeah, over 15 right. years. And, yeah. you know, the, there aren't many people who, who, who go that long distance and also build an incredible life, which I know you've built as well. And so mm. uh, I would love to know before we kind of get into the, the success and the growth that you've had in your business, you know, lately and over the last decade or so, Tell, tell us about the moment of when you decided to go all in on your coaching business and your coaching experience. Like, what was that moment like? Yeah. That journey? Yeah. I don't know if it was a moment. I think it was more of um, a gradual buildup because um, um, so, so the background was way back in the nineties, I, I finished doing university here, which I think you guys call college. College. Yeah. 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 Um, just, just a basic three year degree or, um, uh, just majoring in psychology and sociology. And then I went and worked as a rehabilitation counselor at Ford Motor Company. So I was, I was working in um, where they produce, it was a very large manufacturing uh, environment, which was politically uh, riddled, uh, just an awful environment for me personally, anyway, to be involved in. And, and I, the beginning of the, the build-up to getting into coaching was a defining moment when I was walking through the, the big cafeteria at Ford Motor Company, where I was walking back to my office and I was, had been there for two years and, and I was achieving nothing and it was meaningless to me and all these other reasons. And, 
I remember I just had this thought, you know, is this it? Is this what I spent all this time at school for? Just, is this it? I'm 34 years old back at the time. I know I might look 34 now, but... Um, <laughs> you look amazing but, if anyone's watching you. Oh, thanks, man. But, uh, and I've had no work done, I, I promise Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Uh, you, uh, you need I'm to come not, to Newport I'm Beach. Yeah, I should. <laughs> well, or, or, yeah, right. Um, anyway, sorry, keep going. That's okay, that's okay. So I had this moment in the cafeteria. I thought, is this it? Is this what the rest of my life's going to be? Like, you work, 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 work. Is this it? And that was the beginning of, um, I guess, uh, the the opening of this mystery of, you know, is this how it is? Because I was, I was surrounded by people who, you know, working in the traditional working uh, system, you know, of nine to five, roughly speaking, um, and all this sort of thing. And then um, I, I started getting kind of desperate to do something about that. And um, I was talking to a colleague of mine who sold his house, um, was really wrapped with how this agent actually helped him. Long and the short of it is I found out who this agent's teacher was. I found out about this person. I, trans I transisted, if you like, from rehab counselling into real estate. So I ended up working in residential real estate sales for seven years. First five years were phenomenal. Loved it. This, the last two years, I was becoming more and more disengaged as my interest in personal development and spirituality and meditation and altered states of consciousness and near-death experience, all these wonderful, um, well, I believe, wonderful areas of life, I became intensely interested in. And then um, I had a mentor when I was in real estate. I've always had sort of some kind of mentor. And, um, and I had this uh, fellow say to me, you know, he, he had noticed that I was disengaged and I wanted to have a break. Um, and I wanted to go and spend some time with this other uh, company that was teaching people, it was a, an official business teaching people how to meditate. And I wanted to spend some time there. And he said, well, why don't you just take some time off and just chill and spend six months doing whatever you want to do with, with this other company and then make a decision in terms of whether you want to stay in real estate so it was almost like I needed permission, Cole. And this is an important point, is that in the vulnerability of living your soul's mission, there's nothing wrong with asking for permission. Asking for permission is not literally asking someone for permission, but it's so, um, I found it so releasing when uh, someone who I regarded highly said to me, you know, you should go and give that a try. It was almost like I needed that as permission, if that makes any sense. So when I went off on a sabbatical and, uh, 15 months later, I was running out of money, and this was in 2003, 4, 2004. Uh, phenomenal 15 months where I began what I talk about a lot in my work, which is I didn't realize I'd embarked on this journey of ambition to meaning. And um, anyway, that sabbatical started to clarify for me completely that I didn't belong in the real estate world anymore. And then I um, I ran out of money. I had to go back to my job, which I did. And then literally it was an advertisement in a magazine that I was reading, uh, advertising a free information evening on, on life coaching, which I'd never heard of. Well, I had heard of it, but I didn't really know anything about it. And I went to this information night and just like uh, for a lot of us, right time, right message. Um, and my mind was ready and my heart was open and ready for it. Um, and in December 2005, it was bloody obvious to me that I just needed to do this. So I went to the bank. I borrowed $30,000. This is in Australia here. I'm zooming in from Melbourne, Australia. Um, $30,000 from the bank, paid for my deposit for my 
coaching course, which ironically was the course that you did that I taught. <laughs> yeah, that uh, you taught me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I just dived in. I dived straight in and um, and pretty much did uh, everything I was told to do by people who knew what they were talking about. So, yeah. um, so it wasn't a defining moment, not really, but it was a, it was an accumulation of all of these moments over yeah. those years that uh, got me in. I'm curious about, you said you went out and you got a loan and you kind of bet on yourself to do yeah. this life coaching. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's been your philosophy of, of learning to back yourself? Like finding, I feel like one thing that I've learned from you a lot is, is how to experience certainty in, in oneself. Mm. And uh, I watched that in almost everyone that I look up to is they hold this level of certainty uh, that's phenomenal. I'm curious, like how have you developed that certainty to be able to back yourself on various levels throughout your coaching journey? Yeah. Um, I guess unconsciously. So that's not very, not a very useful answer, but let me explain what that means. Um, it wasn't like I had decided, I wasn't consciously saying to myself, I'm going to back myself in. It was actually um, um, by borrowing the button of money and getting started, it was actually a decision motivated by fear <laughs> because 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 what I was absolutely clear on, because this is the thing, Cole, is in the human condition, most people are very, very clear on what they don't want and they're not very clear on what they do want. I was very clear on what I didn't want and I yeah. did not want to go back into the old world that I had been in for seven years. I loved the time I was there. I certainly didn't want to go back into the manufacturing or the corporate world or anything like that. I'm not I, the manufacturing world, the corporate slash manufacturing world was my exposure there. Mm. And then the, in the real estate world, it was a small mum and dad business of 34 employees. Um, but it was a job and, and, uh, and especially the real estate job, man, sometimes I'd start at 8.30 in the morning and, and get home at 10 o'clock at night, you know, um, if, Weekend work all the time. Yeah, so, Saturday, yes, all the house showings. Saturdays, yeah. all the, all, yeah. So um, I was motivated by fear. I was like, I know I don't want that anymore. What will this other life produce? Um, I don't know, but it will be different to that. And um, and that's, I think I began to realise as I started the journey how lifestyle-driven I actually was. And mm. it became really, really clear to me a year or two into my coaching uh, journey and training and you know, doing my own thing, um, that it became clear to me that uh, I was very strong on defending the lifestyle that I wanted for Sylvana's my wife, as you know, um, for Sylvana and I. And um, so, yeah, so the certainty, I think, built over time as I became clearer on who I was becoming and what my values were and, um, and what I wanted to have. My, my dad was a mechanic, a car mechanic, working 100 hours a week. He owned a Caltech service station. I don't know if Caltech exists in the States. Um, you know, it was a service station franchise thing. Had 12 mechanics working for him. Um, and he was literally working 100-hour weeks. So when I was a kid, uh, I was, I guess, um, conditioned to believe that hard to, get, to have success that correlates with lots and lots of hours. Now, now, what I found with people is that when we uh, learn something like that, we either align to that or we go and flip in the opposite direction. Mm. And so for me, I was always curious to know, how can I be successful financially and not work 100 hours a week? <laughs> That's now, such got a good question. <laughs> yeah. So I, I got really ridiculous in my mindset because I was like, you know, could I work 
10 hours a week? Is it 20 hours a week? And I, and I didn't dare whisper this to anyone, Cole, because to the wrong pe people, like my dad and a few other people, they'd say to me, um, you're living an illusion. Like, you know, where are you? Where are you? You know, what are you thinking? Mm -hmm. Like, you can't, you know, if you want to earn a lot of money, you, you've got to work a lot of hours kind of thing. So it was an accumulation of all of this. And so as I got into the journey, I think the certainty arrived or became clearer as I went into the journey. This is an important point for your listeners here, Cole, because I'm not sure what stages of development your listeners are, your clients are in their, in their development in their own consulting business. But um, the certainty actually comes later. Like if we're waiting for the certainty and the confidence to come, uh, it ain't going to come. It, it comes after we've actually acted, after wow. we've taken the steps. So the certainty became stronger and stronger over the years. Now, this is going to sound a little bit maybe surprising to some. I don't really know. But 2014, uh, and at the time of this recording, we're here, we're, we're in the middle of 2021. In 2014, that was the first year that I felt, so that, that, that would have meant I was um, eight years into my journey. At mm. the eight-year mark is when I started to feel what I call genuine certainty. Genuine, where I actually start to believe that no, actually what you've got here is good without sounding, you know, arrogant yeah, yeah. carry on. But the, you've got to be honest with yourself when you know that you've got to a point where you go, well, actually, hold on. I know that what I've got here is valuable. I know that it's actually going to help people. Um, so it took me eight years to actually to catch up to the certainty that was being produced out there or shown out there for it to be built up on the inside of me. Now, does it mean it's going to take all of your listeners eight years? No, but that's what it took me. So I just want people to hear that because if people are waiting for that certainty to be present in them before they begin, it ain't going to come. Mm. Oh, I love that. I mean, it's such a mature perspective because I think that, I, I mean, I would agree with that as well because I think the first time you trained me was what, the 2009, that was my intake, October, 2009. And so that's six years after I met you, you started yeah. really experiencing certainty. Now, in I wouldn't have, in the inner yeah, world, in I wouldn't have world. seen that, you know, as, no. as a client of yours, you know, under your training, I, I didn't see that. But obviously in you, that was being reflected. And I would say that the same for me, like we talk about, you know, they talk about like finding your niche and, you know, having office certainty and things like that. I, it took me eight years or nine years to find my niche, <laughs> you yeah. know? And yeah. I, I tell like when I say find my niche, I mean, find the niche that I just love, which, yes. which is selling on stage and speaking and selling on stage. But I, but I, I kind of dabbled with like so many different elements and, you know, I, I didn't know what I was doing for <laughs> so many different times. And so it's such a cool, mature perspective. Well, I think, Cole, it's important. I'm sorry for interrupting your train of thought there. But it's really, really important that your, your guys hear that because for eight years, um, you see, for, for most of us when we start, there's a gap between the outer world presence and the inner world experience. And, um, and, and the gap is that because when you first start, you know, someone comes to you and says, so what's your, what do you do? And you're a year in. So what I do is X, Y, Z. And you're still breathing life into that. You're still becoming that consultant. You're still becoming that trainer or whatever. And so the client sees the outside version of you and responds to the outside version of it. And then someone will say yes to you. And you go, oh, my God, okay, I've got to do, deliver this training or whatever I've got to do. So for, for those seven or eight years, I, was, I wouldn't say I was racked in uncertainty, but the uncertainty was actually it was in there. I mean, as we know in human behavior, the, 
the universal fears of, um, you know, the fear of not being enough or the fear of being found out is real. And, and so the eight year mark is when everything shifted because I had a defining moment there in a training that I delivered for two days with um, a, a whole group of uh, real estate officers of which these real estate people were uh, clients of my old mentor when I was in real estate and my old mentor became my client who hired me to deliver a training for their, for his guys who, and oh. I was one of those guys, right? Yeah. So that was a defining moment. And then, and then he also said to me at the time, he, he said, uh, he, he assumed my fee. He assumed my fee. He says, well, someone like you with your experience, what would you be? $10,000 a day? And I wasn't at $10,000 a day. And I said, yes. And he said, okay, that's all good. We'll take care of it. So it was two days of training, $20,000 flat fee plus costs, et cetera. Mm. So suddenly it was like, oh my God, this is adult world stuff. Wow. And I delivered my stuff and the feedback was phenomenal. And what I mean by phenomenal is, you know, there were tears, there were emotions, there were, mm. it was just phenomenal feedback. And that's when I realized, shit, this is actually, I'm feeling on my inner world for the first time, genuinely aligned to how I'm, how I'm presenting myself to the outer world. That's genuine certainty. When your inner world is in alignment to what people see out there, now you're solid. Now you're solid. But you've got to go through the journey, Cole, as you know so well in those first few years. And, and, and as you said in the opening of this conversation, you know, flash in the pan, first speed hump, first obstacle comes, the fear of being found out, the vulnerability of all of that is on potentially on show. And a lot of people will fold instead of focusing in those moments and will quit on their, on their, you know, dream or whatever you want to call it. Mm. I'm curious in you building your business, how do you make decisions that align with your values? Um, <clears throat> well, I'm very lifestyle driven. And by lifestyle driven, I mean, I'm not talking about rich and famous lifestyle, you know, flashy lifestyle. I'm talking about lifestyle of experience and time and quality. Although, can so, I just say, mate, you were the first person. I remember you used to talk about your Porsches. You would buy yeah. your Porsches and you'd be yeah. like, I've ordered this new Porsche. And you were one of the first people that really inspired me about like, oh my gosh, I could have a, I could have a good car and all this sort of stuff. So yeah. I love that as well. By the way, I would not fit in the car that you bought. My head would be like out the window. <laughs> you always buy the, the little convertible Porsches. Oh, man. Well, I had those Porsches for 12 years and, and then I, I ended up selling them. I actually drive an American car now. I drive a good old-fashioned convertible V8 5-liter Ford Mustang. Oh, um, it's, uh, so good. Yeah, I've come a complete circle. That's crazy. Uh, Sorry. Yeah, lifestyle-driven. Right. Yeah, you keep going. Yeah, so so lifestyle-driven um, in the sense that, um, you know, how we spend our time. So Silvana and I have been married now for uh, come September, it'll be 25 years. Mm. Uh, at the time of this recording, we've got uh, two boys that have just become teenagers last week. I've got Dude, that's boys. crazy. I, know, I remember amazing, when you had it? them. I remember oh, you had them. It's oh. crazy. <laughs> well, they were barely a year old when we Yeah, met. exactly. Yeah, you were yeah. I remember you telling me stories about it when, when, when Incredible. I just so, met you. So. Well, they turned 13 last week. Oh, my yeah. God. Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's okay. So, so um, it's, what, what inspired this lifestyle-driven thinking, I guess, and to answer your question about how do you make a decision based on your values, well, Silvana um, never, was never interested in developing a, a professional career. She always wanted to become a mum. And so um, we had been trying for two years to have babies at the time way back. 
Uh, and the long and the short of it is uh, it wasn't until I started earning money in my coaching business that freed up the opportunity for her to choose to leave if she wanted to, mm. which she ended up choosing to leave her job with the, where she was working for a large corporate communication uh, company here, um, a telecommunications company. And then she, she left that. And then within a few months, we got pregnant. And, um, and so I have become a very strong, to answer your question, how do I make decisions based on my values? I've become a very strong defender and protector of what Silvara and I wanted to create and have created. And what I mean by that is I no longer, I've escaped the whole system of jobs, of having a job, like having a, you know what I mean? Like having a 60 hour a week commitment to an employer who can sack you at any time or, you know, the loyalty these days has never existed where you work for a large corporation, you give them your all, you know, the story. And then they say, Oh, we're, we're downsizing, whatever. And you're, you're at the door. And so, you know, it means nothing kind of thing. So, so the values that we make our decisions on, a lot of it is based on how we spend our time. A lot of it is based on absolutely uh, health and vitality, huge, and health and vitality, I don't mean just physical, just the body. I'm talking about our sense of peace of mind. Um, and I've always been a believer that you a conscious. I've always been a believer that we are all conscious creators of what we choose to believe. So in other words, I'm about to record a podcast on this, actually. And that is that there's we need to realize that the reality that we experience in our everyday experience is an accumulation of all of the correlations that we've put between two things. So for example, my dad correlated to be successful. He correlated that with hundred hours. He correlated that with volume of hours. To me, it was like, well, what if I could correlate success? However, that looks with not working a lot of hours, but just getting really, really good at something that you get bloody get paid for really well. And you get paid back in return per hour a lot more than what the, say, a person working in a job would be. Dude, that's so good correlations. So it's like, I mean, you taught me, I think, originally around complex equivalences and meanings and like NLP stuff. Uh, and that's so true. So it's like what you attach, this means you can get that. Is that kind of what you unpack? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um so to, to go back to your original question about how do you make your decision about decisions based on your values, it's about well, what do I want to correlate my work to? So I correlate my work to you know all the things you've heard a thousand times, making a difference and contributing. Absolutely, it's all part of it. I mean, adding value to me is about showing someone something about themselves that they didn't know until they met you. Right, so that's adding value. You filled in a, a void that they didn't even know they had. So, so doing doing that kind of work, then getting really, really good at it, genuinely good, where you're genuinely adding that kind of value, you then get paid well for it. Now, I was told by a mentor. This is one of the negative conversations I've had in the past with someone, where they said to me, "Oh, where you want to be, there's no money. Like, you know, where you you want to work in soft skills, um, and." You know, a lot of the cooperations and schools with teachers where I do some of my work, a lot of my work, um, you know, all these different groups, 
They don't pay for this kind of thing that you want to talk about. They, they talk, they want to learn hard skills. They want to learn how to make money, you know, and this is the area that one of the areas that you're specially great in. Um, and obviously you've done well and continue to expand and grow. Um, and I thought to myself, well, who says that I can't, you know, if, if, um, oh, what would be a wonderful example of this? I mean, because some of my some of my heroes in the personal development space are people like Wayne Dyer, for example, who had the courage to live in alignment to what he felt was important to get good at, and, and he became a spiritual teacher at the end, and all this sort of thing. I thought, well, why can't I do that? You know. So the correlations, whatever you decide things mean, if you breathe enough life into it, because all of our, our belief systems are just simply correlations on repeat that we've gathered evidence for in our environment to support the convenient assumption of this equaling that being real. So for me now, like I pride myself on working as little hours as possible. And now, I, I love that about you. And I, but it's kind of like, what's fascinating. One thing I feel like I have, have taken from you is the respect of, of mastery. And it's one thing that I remember you said, you said at one of the trainings, something about, first of all, the audience, whenever they're listening to it, <clears throat> you could tell them the same thing seven times and they're going to hear it differently each time. They're going to experience it differently because they're at different levels. Because I get a lot of my students come and say to me, Colin, I've delivered this webinar once before. Are you sure I can deliver it again? I'm like, dude, you can deliver it 200 times. And, and one thing I learned from you was just that, that sense of like commitment to mastery. Uh, I loved that you would always tell people how many coaching hours you had. So you would say, oh, I've done 2,222 coaching hours, you know, and there was no one else telling me about that. And, and I know for me, it definitely embedded in me this idea of like commitment to mastery, but then also what I, which is why I wanted to ask is I respect how you've built your life. You like, you've got a great relationship with Silvana and your, your boys and, and you've got a lifestyle and, and you don't kind of allow a lot of the time, the, the, I feel, and this is just external what I see. Yeah, yeah. You don't allow like a lot of the noise. Cause there's so much pressure and noise in this industry of, of opportunities that you can do. But you, you're really careful, I feel like, about what things you go after and what you choose. Uh, and so when you're, when you're making those decisions, uh, like, yeah, what's the, what's the kind of the big questions that you ask yourself? Yeah, okay. Um, well, this is going to sound a little bit fluffy duck, but we'll give it a go because, because I, I find that when... When I'm teaching something or bringing something that is in genuine, in genuine alignment to my soul, my heart, like when you come from the right place, genuinely the right place, like full on deep in from the right place, the world looks after you. That's a belief system that I've just made up that seems to be true for me, right? So um, I found that in the last couple of years, my business has gone to another level, especially because my language around what I do has tightened up, completely tightened up, with some help from you, by the way, when we spoke two or three years ago about yeah. frameworks and blah. 
so so and then I decided to um, stick with that one theme, emotional fitness, with everything I talk about on LinkedIn, fan page, Facebook, website, you know, conversations, the odd free talk, you know, whatever else. And it's uncanny how, and it's coming from the right place. To me, it's like, well, no, uh, not all depression is because there's something wrong with you. Depression can also be because of an identity crisis. And once you discover who you really are and you're aligned to your values, you have this sweet spiritual energetical momentum in your life where you can produce meaning and realize that when you live in alignment to nature, you can't get depressed. And this whole thing that I believe is absolutely true that I've experienced. So I come from that space. So when I deliver my stuff, I go, is that in alignment to this? And, and ever since being loyal to this, opportunities have just opened and opened and opened. Wow. It's, it's, um, it's, it's incredible. I mean, to translate this commercially to your listeners, and I shared this with you, of course, earlier this year, is last year here in Melbourne in, in Australia when we had, um, we had one of the strictest lockdowns in the world for three and a half months. Literally, we couldn't, we, it was curfews and we couldn't leave the house. And you couldn't to leave like food. within five miles or kilometers, of, your, five kilometers, kilometers of your house. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's like two miles. <laughs> two miles. It was ludicrous, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't go uh, there. <laughs> but in that, in that time, you know, I, 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 a lot of my clients just, just came on board on Zoom with me like we're doing here. And, you know, I had three record months in a row. Like, um, like as you know, I only work, you know, I don't know, fifth, I don't know. What do I do? I work eight to 10 days a month on average, something like that. Yeah. And, um, and I still maintain that to this day on average. And during that COVID shutdown, because I, I believe, because I was delivering from the right place, you know, I had these new clients come on board and I had like three record months in a row, you know, like over, over the 12-week shutdown, I think I did, um, I don't know how many hours of Zoom trainings, but I, I like, I literally banked almost $350,000. I mean, mm. it was just crazy. And I'm sitting in my space here going nuts, like in a, in a great way, saying to my wife, can you believe this? I mean, this is incredible. And to me, it was an accumulation, a realization of living in alignment to your values, living in alignment to your soul, however you want to define it. So I know this sounds a little bit, a little bit as I said, fluffy duck, but let me tell you, when, when, when what you're bringing into your market is coming from a place of deep, genuine alignment to who you are as a woman and as a man and as a human being, your audience responds. If you bring into the market what you think is needed, that's not necessarily a reflection of who you are as a man or a woman, then the market responds also accordingly. So... That's what I found. Dude, that is so good. That is so good because it's kind of like what going back to what you were saying before, uh, you know, some of the advice you've had of your offer and you helping with emotional fitness is, is fluffy duck. It's, it's fluffy. It's soft skills. But, but I feel like the, because you've worked on that so much and you have such a level of mastery and it's who you are, there is a solidity to that offer that makes it attractive it's like a yeah. Wayne Dyer, you know, he talks about, you know, spirituality and philosophy and it's, it feels very fluffy, but, yeah. but it's, but it's, you know, he, there's a depth to it. There's a depth to it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Wow, that's that's phenomenal. I mean, you you've trained thousands of coaches. You've seen coaches come through yeah. and go and so forth. I'm curious about like what what makes a great coach. Uh, and you can talk about me as well because you've trained me. So everything that you see in me, you can talk about. <laughs> what, I can, what? And I will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to the expert edge, brother. Um, so, <laughs> so what? What from your opinion? What makes a great coach, and then eventually someone who turns into a leader in like the industry and what you've experienced and watched? Yeah. Look, I, I think the number one thing is commitment. Like, um, and um, and to become to be an emotional adult. So what an emotional adult to me means is a long-term thinker and someone who is who is committed, understanding that inevitably, guaranteed, you'll be faced with obstacles along the way. And that to be a great coach, you need to also understand that living your dream is not fluffy duck. Dream sounds dreamy and, and soft and light, but living your dream... Is, is not for the faint of heart. It actually takes a lot of guts to, to do that, to defy, you know, sound, this sounds very, I don't know how this sounds, but to defy the system of having a job and all the stuff that goes along with that, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of energy to overcome the momentum of that and create your own inertia. So therefore commitment is absolutely key. And, you, and you need to make sure. So what another aspect of what makes a great coach is you need to make sure that you are hanging around with the right people, the people who inspire you into action, people who have got the results that you're wanting, people who have you know similar, if not very, very closely aligned values to you. You know all those things. I mean, as I was sharing with. Um, uh, some people in my in my um, in my emotional fitness hub, my closed group, just two days ago, I was saying, you know, everything in the world, everything in the universe, everything that exists is energy, and energy is always moving. And the movement of energy, we call that vibration, and how fast the energy moves, the vibration, we call that a frequency. And when two frequencies resonate. You have music, literally. You have music. That's what that's what music is. That's what harmony and melody and all that is. If everything in the universe is energy, that means everything is energy, which means your values are energy, your emotions are energy. So you need to be in resonance with your world, not the world, your world, which is with people that are of similar frequency to you, which is a fancy way of saying. Similar perspectives, similar philosophies, similar values, similar priorities, similar passions. And we know that there's great power in numbers. Nature teaches us this. How often do we see in cycling races like the Tour de France where there's one cyclist out on their own and the peloton captures them because there's more power in the peloton. So who you hang out with in your community is really, really important. So a coach can't make it on their own. The other thing is, you need to be committed, uh, how do I say this? Committed to excellence, I guess you could say, which means you're continually open to embracing the next level of you and how you see yourself becoming and developing. Um, 
So I think what makes a great coach is to put it really, really simply to summarize all of that is be aware of who you're telling what you want to achieve and build in your life. Be aware of who you're hanging out with on a consistent basis. Uh, obviously make sure that whatever you're learning is good stuff. Um, and, and if you are in a position where you are in a relationship with a loved one, whether it's a husband and wife, a girlfriend, partner, or whatever, that you don't need their permission to shine. You just need their support. And they're the fundamentals, I think, of what makes a great coach. But commitment to craft, commitment to excellence is everything. And I could tell you, we haven't got time here, but I could tell you dozens and dozens of stories of where I've gone out for the day to do a talk somewhere and come home feeling like the proverbial crap because I made a mistake or, you know, just I was all over the place or I wasn't, I don't know, it was a crappy talk. And I'd come back home thinking, who the hell do you think you are? And then what kept me going was not so much the inspiration, but the motivation to not go back to the, to the old place because mm. I think that's an important thing that in terms of what makes a good coach is ironically to be motivated by the fear of having to go back to your old world. Mm. I reckon that motivation that's fear-based is more powerful initially than to be inspired. Mm. Um, now now I, I'm I inspired, not, not scared, you know? Yeah, I love that because I, I would say I was initially driven by fear, 100%. And, and I remember one of our mutual friends said to me, you're going to be 30 years old with kids and have, and be nothing to look up to. Wow. And, and that, that changed my life. Yeah. Changed my life. Like in such a good yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, and, but now I definitely am driven more by inspiration, but there's still a flavor of fear. There's still a flavor of like, sure. oh, what if this happens? What if that happens? And like, but yeah. I definitely think that inspiration has built. So Oh, that, I, I, it's great to just give permission for people to be driven by that at the start. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So, well, as I said earlier, Cole, you know, most people are clear on what they don't want and, and not as clear, you know, they're a lot clearer on what they don't want than what they do want. That's completely normal, by the way. Hmm. Talk, talk to us about this journey of ambition to meaning. Uh, because mm. to be quite frank, moving to the US for me, when, when I moved from Australia to the US, it, I mean, you've been to the US a few times. It's the place is a beast. And the level of competition here just like smacked me in the face in terms of what it would require to be a market leader over here really just impacted me. And, and it's, it's fascinating. And I think that Australia is very similar. It's just a, it's just a small yeah. space. It's very similar, it's still yeah. very ambitious, highly mm. driven. And I think mm. even, even in this personal development space, there's a lot of like drivenness and we see people expand really quickly and literally implode their entire lives. Yeah. So I'm curious, and, and this is why I wanted, part of why I wanted to share with you with my audience and have, have them get to know you and do your programs and all that sort of stuff is talk, talk to me about this journey that you've been on and your core philosophy around transitioning from living an ambitious life or the difference between ambitious life and a, and a meaningful life and what that looks like. Yeah. Well, first of all, cause you raise an important point, right? And it's, and it's, you can depress yourself pretty quickly or really heavy, get heavy energy um, by going online, going to LinkedIn. I don't know if you guys use LinkedIn much over there, um, but I've got like a fair, you know, I do a fair bit on LinkedIn and get mm. referrals and stuff. 
there are so many coaches out there. There are so many consultants, so many trainers, and, and a lot of them are good. Not all of them are good, but a lot of them are good. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them are great. And it's easy. I've done this before. I've done this before where I've gone into different people's website and then this one links to that one, that one links to that one. Oh, my God, there's all these people doing these amazing things. And, oh, my God, who am I to be along in this space? I, me- I remember doing that to myself many times in, in the early days. And, um, and it wasn't until, I don't know how I realised this, maybe someone told me, I can't remember, but because this space is so highly personalised, they, they look for someone that they can relate to. They look for someone they can connect with. That's why they connect with you, Cole, because they connect with you. They, they, mm-hmm. Your clients come to you because it's, it's who you are, not what you do. Mm-hmm. Sure, they've come to invest their energy, time and money in, into learning what you do and how and all that kind of stuff, the skill set. But ultimately, if the, basically, if they didn't like you, they wouldn't be learning your stuff. So true. Yeah. So it's that relationship. So, so it's that. That's why I was saying earlier that if you genuinely present your stuff from the right place, from the depths of your soul, then your clients, your potential clients, will know that they can feel the resonance of that, the frequency, vibration, whatever you want to call it, right? So there's there's um, there's that perspective. So yes, there is a lot of competition out there. There are a lot of people who come and go and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's just remembering about you being loyal to you and then people come to you because they follow you. I mean, I work in the emotion, I call my work emotional fitness, uh, you know, it called the emotional intelligence space. Well, you go out and have a look at all the different trainings you can do in emotional intelligence. There is so much out there, mm. my God. So it's easy to overwhelm yourself. So uh, that's a quick point I want to highlight there that it's being loyal to you and what you bring and people will follow you for you, not because of what you do. It happens to be that people come and learn emotional fitness from me, but if they didn't have that relationship bridge with me, then they're not going to get through to learning all that stuff because they don't like the guy that's the front of that stuff. Does, does that make sense? So Yeah, so true. And I think that helps with this whole... So are you saying that that philosophy helps you to transition out of ambition, out of competition into a more meaning driven life yeah so i'll expand upon that so the ambition to meaning journey first of all the language of ambition to meaning i i got that from wayne one of wayne dyer's books from way back um 15 20 years ago that he wrote but his philosophy is around is very different so i borrowed the language and then i i thought what does that actually mean to me so the ambition to meaning journey is a journey of uh the evolution of your identity the evolution of how you define yourself. So it's essentially where you, in the early days of ambition, in the very um, immature sort of levels of ambition, you know, we're very much defining ourselves by our material possessions purely, by our looks, our physicality, our physical image, how we walk, talk, um, comparing my car to your car, all that kind of stuff, right? There's nothing wrong with that. I know it sounds like I'm saying, oh, that's, you know, it's just another, it's just the radio station. It's like a, a classical music station is not better than a rock music station. It's just another frequency. Literally, it's another energy. So, so what happens is in the ambition-driven world, in the early days, we're defined by material physicality purely, which is very, it's an awful place to be because we've outsourced our power to the opinion of, of others. So hmm. if someone says, I don't like your car and I'm at that level of consciousness, I'm going to take that personally. Right. Wow. And that really hurts people. It hurts people. So 
um, if, if at, level, at that level of uh, identity, then we evolve into defining, redefining ourselves as our responsibilities in life expand, we begin defining ourselves by our results. How am I doing in my business, in my career development? How am I doing in my finances? How am I doing in my family? And how am I doing? But the problem with, at that level is that, we're, that the way that we know whether we're doing well or not well is we are comparing ourselves to other people. How are other people doing in my market compared to me? How, 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 how is my competition doing in comparison to me? How's the guy next door with his family and his house and his finances doing compared to me? So that's all the ambition-driven world. We all get to a point where we become disenchanted with all of that, where we no longer, we, we just can't find any meaning from it. And, uh, and for a lot of us, we wake up to this via a crisis of some kind, unfortunately. It doesn't have to be a crisis. Sometimes it could be the birth of your first child that shifts your perspective, or it could be the, the the, the trauma of the passing of a loved one that shifts your perspective and your philosophy. And so the ambition to meaning journey is where you move from all of that that I've just described into now redefining yourself. And this doesn't happen just like that. It happens over time. You begin to redefine yourself for what you can bring, what you can contribute. So you, you, you define yourself by your legacy. The reason why all of your guys have come on board with you is so they can commercialize, um, they can uh, scale, leverage their energy, their time, their content, and their money um, so they can live a meaning-driven existence where they're actually contributing to their market, to their client, to their families, etc. So in the meaning-driven world, the, the door that opens the meaning-driven world is the doorway that says, what are you here to contribute? The meaning-driven world, call is actually a world that philosophically and universally aligns to the laws of nature because every living cell of every living leaf, of tree, of insect, of animal, of human being, every cell that exists in every, in whatever, let's just go to a leaf of a, of a tree, the cell in a leaf only exists because it's contributing to the whole. And if it's not contributing to the whole, nature will... will um, mm. Just get rid of it, annihilate That's it. Fascinating, yeah. So you and I, we're cells of humanity. So in the meaning-driven world, we we'll begin to realize that we're here to contribute. That life has never been about us; it's always been about others. But not to the detriment of ourselves, but to the contribution to others, which mm. in turn means we're contributing to ourselves. If you think about it, a cell and a leaf thrives. The more it gives, the richer that it gives, and the more it contributes, the more it thrives. The less it gives, the less it thrives. You and I are the same. We're the same with our markets. We're the same in our businesses. The more genuine value that we contribute to our market, the more we thrive. That's the psychology of the meaning-driven world. And um, but the, the 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 key thing is here is that once we enter the meaning-driven world, we have to integrate the ambition into meaning. This is why I love your work because what you have is you've got people who are in the meaning-driven value set who need to learn and redefine the skills of how to make money because if you don't so living in a meaning driven oh, this world this is so means, good what you just said then go for it yeah so this is great yeah. so in the meaning driven world it's about making money in a meaningful way via contribution and adding value you come along and you go to do that this is how you can do that this is what you need to master in the ambition driven world so this meaning driven world can sustain itself mm. 
So the problem is sometimes, Cole, is that someone moves into the meaning-driven world because deep in the meaning-driven world, as you go into the tunnel of the meaning-driven world, as you go deeper into the meaning-driven world, you're moving towards spirit where mm-hmm. you then start to define yourself as consciousness and awareness itself. That's the end game before we move into the non-physical. That's getting into a whole other space of conversation there, of course. Um, but to live a meaning-driven existence, we have to also integrate and master the physicalities of the ambition-driven world. So to give you an example, the first stage of ambition, which is the material possessions, well, how can you have peace in the meaning-driven world if your body is wracked in pain because you're not looking after it, your finances are in a schmozzle of a mess, so you don't have peace of mind because you, you, you don't even know if you can pay the next mortgage bill or rental bill. Well, why don't we take care of money Let's educate ourselves on how to invest in money and learn the money system and all that, get good, get, basically get, get good at finances. Let's learn how to nutritionalize our, our body type and learn more about our physicality. Let's look after all that, then integrate that into the journey of the actions that we need to take. That's, still, that's the results-driven, I've got to go and network, establish yep. relationships, learn my skill. And then, and why am I doing all that? So I can live in the meaning-driven world so I can contribute to the world. That's called integration. That's why I'm a big fan. I love what you do because you're, you help people integrate ambition into meaning. I know you don't, you don't language that way, but this is how I see it. Yeah. You teach people how to integrate ambition into meaning so people can stay sustainably in a world that is aligned to their values. So the, the, the reason why I am ensconced so deeply in the meaning-driven world is because I look after my, I have profound respect for my health, my energy, my body, my, all that stuff. Um, I have a profound respect for money, looking after it, learning how to invest it, learning where to put it, where to not put it, learning to have it, you know, teach, educate myself in money so it can look after my family rather than me continually chasing it, right? So that's another way of integrating ambition into meaning. That's the journey of the human condition. That's essentially what I teach. So, oh, And what you just shared then is, I mean, that just is so good. And, and I mean, I know that that's like some of the core of what you teach. I'm curious. So, so to clarify from my understanding as well, the ambition driven world is, is very much about learning to get results. It's about acquiring material. It's about looking after physicality. It's, it's, you know, like that, that sort of like highly driven side of you. And then the egocentric egocentric, and then the meaning driven world is, is spirit is heart centric, heart centric. Ah, yeah. Ego and heart centric. But what you're saying is that the egocentric or the skills that are required in that egocentric world can be integrated into the heart-centric world and create a holistic experience of of your life. Yes. Meaning-driven world doesn't mean that we disappear from the world. It actually means the opposite. We engage even more into the world. When When I say the world, I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about your world, whatever your world is. You're engaging even more deeply with your market with your community, with your family, with your, you know, whatever matters to you, right? Um, that's the integration of ambition into meaning. So it's it's having what I call 
a clean, healthy ego strength. Oh, that's good. Talk, talk, yeah. talk about that. Well, ego strength is where it's well balanced. It's where you have self-respect and you're confident, but you're not arrogant. And so mm. if ego becomes unbalanced, it can become narcissistic and become blinded to everything else because it's all about the self and all that kind of stuff. So clean ego strength is, well, I need ego to look after my body. I need ego to look after my energy, my, my physicality, my, I don't know, whatever, my skin, my whatever, right? Your finance, invest, investment, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. And um, so you need ego strength for that. I need ego strength to do my presentations, to do my talks, to do my work and to do my videos and lives and blah, blah, blah. Mm. So you need all that, but you realize in the meaning-driven world, as you go deeper and deeper into the meaning-driven world, that your ego is something that you need as a vehicle, but it's not who you are. It doesn't define you because we're living as human beings. We've still got to engage in life and the experience of life, but the meaning-driven existence is where we're becoming closer to. Now, it depends on your beliefs. You become closer to God, closer to spirit, closer to the reality of consciousness itself. And as I said, that's a whole nother conversation altogether. But the point I want to make is that clean ego strength is where you have a healthy sense of self-respect to look after your physicality, your finances, your results, your skill set. Look after yourself. And then the, the more of you there is, because you've looked after yourself, the more of you there is to give in a meaning-driven existence when you're adding value, making a difference, contributing to others. So to clarify, if, if someone is too egocentric, they're too much on the in that material world and they haven't engaged in their meaning world, uh, is, there's, a, there's like a, an energy about them. Like if they're just all on that achieving side, uh, like, it, like I find it a bit repulsive. I, I don't know. That's yeah. what's coming up for me. But talk, yeah. yeah, talk to me more about those, uh, how that, um, how they integrate. I'd love to know even more about that. So, how, how do you mean? Tell me more about what you mean by so integrate. I'm even reflecting on my journey of of yeah. us building our business. You know, yeah. getting status in the market, becoming a leader. Uh, because to be quite frank, I didn't. I would say I didn't see myself as a leader until about four or five, probably five years ago. I started to see myself as a leader mm. and, uh, and, but then this, this transition definitely has become deeper into what's my mission. What's my purpose, my, my, you know, my spirituality, my connection with God. Um, but I still use a very strong, when I think about it, I still use a very strong uh, vehicle of, of that achievement world to facilitate people's results but I definitely think I've, I'm on that journey of discovering more of the of the meaning through that. Um, mm. Is that kind of what what you what you notice with people? I'm curious. Yeah, yeah, you're on the right path there. So, first of all, um, the ambition driven world is driven by different values to the meaning driven world. So there's nothing, and I'll repeat this again. There's nothing wrong with the ambition driven world because uh, you can have people who are in the ambition-driven world, completely aligned to those values. And if you're aligned to those values, you feel phenomenal. I mean, for my first five years out of my seven years in real estate, 
I loved it. I loved mm-hmm. the accolade, the challenge, the reward, the winning, the losing, the acceptance, the rejection, the thrill of the chase. I loved all that. That, that to me, and I, I wouldn't have used the word meaningful. I would have used the word ambition because it was mm-hmm. all about goals and I was aligned to that. So there's nothing wrong if you're in that world. because And if you're listening to this podcast, you're, you're in the meaning-driven world because if you're in the ambition-driven world and you're as happy as a pig in poo, you wouldn't be noticing a podcast like this. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be in this conversation, in this particular conversation. So in the ambition-driven world, what happens is organically our values start to evolve, which is a fancy way of saying what's important to you now, Kyle, in 2021 is very different to what was important to you back in 2010. Um, the things that used to, like you, you mentioned Porsches before, back in the day, in the late 90s, early 2000s, if you had said to me, oh, when you start your coaching business, you're going to be successful, you're going to be making money and you're going to be driving a Porsche or two or three, you know, that would have excited me to the point where I'd be beside myself back in 2000. Yeah. Whereas the reason why I sold like three or four years ago, I sold my last car and just and I bought my Stang, which I love, um, is I just didn't feel an attraction to it anymore. So the point I'm making is that one of the ways that you know that you're moving from ambition to meaning is that what used to excite you in the material world no longer has got an energetical grip on you anymore. You're not excited by that anymore. I used to go to the Porsche dealership here in Melbourne, literally of an evening, not all the time, but every Mm. so often, and stare at the, through the glass, big glass display at all (laughs) the cars and and go, oh my God, God, it's amazing. You know, like, oh my God. Whereas I couldn't give a proverbial hoot about (laughs) that anymore. You know, I just don't care. I mean, I just, and and the irony is, I borrowed money to get those cars back then, whereas now I can buy one of those in cash. (laughs) I can buy it in cash. I have no interest in doing it. I have absolutely, there's nothing in my being that is interested in doing that. That So so I bought it for cash, I'll get get other things. But the point I want to make is that uh, it's it's a natural, organic evolution of priority. Your values mm. shift. And, and we've got to wake up to that fact. And, and how do we know if we're not aligned is that we will feel it. Our values are an emotional compass. If we're following the emotional compass, we feel oh, we're going in the right direction. This is great. If we don't follow, if we violate that emotional compass, we're going to feel not quite at peace. We're not going to feel at peace. We're not going to feel quite on our feet right, right? We're not going to feel right about it. So... If you had to try to, if you now try to squeeze me back into the old world of real estate, and there's nothing wrong with the world of real estate, mm-hmm. let me be clear, is I just don't belong there anymore because my values have shifted to something completely different. And so then what happened was I went into the coaching space and I was in the journey of ambition to meaning, meaning my values were evolving and changing, but it took me eight years to align completely with genuine 100% deep sense of certainty that I'm all good, that I'm aligned. So I hope I'm making some kind of sense here, Cole. No, it's great because I mean, it's very conceptual, but I feel like it's, is, it's just fascinating because the, the more and more I go, you know, I develop myself, the more I'm curious about, about all of that, about energy, about, about spirit, about meaning and, and all of that sort of stuff. Cause it's like, once you start making enough money, to not just survive, but actually, you know, make a lot of money after that, on top of that, you, you kind of, I mean, my experience has been, you start looking for something more 
Mm-hmm. And and it's it's kind of fascinating. And because and I've watched a lot of people do that. And one of the interesting things is I've seen some people go way into I, I don't know if this is how you would articulate it, but they've gone way into meaning and the spirit world and completely lost um, their attachment to the, to that results driven world. And, and from my perspective has almost like negatively resulted in a lot of other things in their world because they haven't maintained that other side of them, whether that be their physicality or their finances or whatever it is, it's kind of been fascinating watching that. Mm. And I wonder if, um, because I feel like one thing that you explain well is the the whole thing about maturity. And I know that you're a real expert in, in personality behavioral and so forth. And, and like having the maturity to be spiritual, but also realize that, you know, things like money or your physical health and all that sort of stuff is not, unspiritual like that is all part of it well it, it is it is i mean the from the from the depths of the meaning driven world where we go into the the spirit aspect well i just said a, uh, 10 minutes ago i said that everything is energy well energy is consciousness consciousness is energy so everything is consciousness if you believe in god and i do and i think you do mm-hmm. too so i i just convert that into my mind as god spirit god energy well, that means everything is God. That means everything is a piece of God. Or as Rumi said so beautifully, we're not just drops in the ocean. We are the ocean in the drop. So we are everything. So that means why can't I have a profound, my, my son's bought me this little coffee cup, you know, cool dad. What, what, I have a profound respect for everything. I try to bring that awareness to everything. It's just a cup made of porcelain or whatever it is, ceramic. But it's not. It's consciousness because everything is that. So when you have that philosophy and that psychology and that attitude, you automatically start looking after anything that is within the realms of your responsibility, including your body and your energy. Now, in saying that, you've got people who are very rare, like we're talking about genuine mystics who are deeply in the spirit world. Well, that's a pure awareness that everything that we thought we were, we're not. That's a whole other realm altogether. But for most of us, we've got responsibilities and obligations. We've got children. We've got clients. Yeah, that's what I we've mean. Got business. We've got mortgages. We've got <laughs> rental. So, so this is where this journey is really, really important, this ambition to meaning journey, because it's recontextualizing all of the material stuff so it doesn't own us, so we own it, and we can use it to the pleasure of the experience of living whilst also living a life that is meaning driven which means we are genuinely contributing and adding value to our communities our markets our our families or whoever we're we're facing and, oh that's, and that's beautiful i think that wrap yeah, that kind of encapsulates what you're saying um it, it reminds yeah. me of there's this one one concept that i always teach my students it's like the first thing i always teach them which is that you have to understand that selling is is the doorway to serving in a business and it kind of reminds me because selling feels very, you know, egotistical, you know, it's, it's like you're making an offer, it's money driven and serving is the contribution. And when you make that connection, that learning to sell with integrity is actually the only real doorway that you can serve a client at, its, at the highest level, because there's a transaction that occurs, mm. there's, an, there's an energetic exchange, there's a contract that occurs and you both have a greater level of commitment to each other. And so that's the highest level of, of service that you can bring to a person within within the 
the context of a profit-driven business. Mm. And and so they just kind of like it was just it just had meaning for me as you were talking about that. So that's really cool. Yeah. Well, it's, a, it's having a it's having a deep sense of care for um, the client that you're about to bring on board, or having a deep sense of care of their situation, or whatever problem it is that you solve, or however you contribute to them. So so yeah. good, so good. Joe Pane, I always love to ask one last question, which is, uh, imagine it's the end of your life and people are standing around talking about Joe Pane. You've got friends, family, me, uh, all, all talking about Joe Pane. And I'm curious, what, what would be your hope that people would, would say about you? Oh, wow. I don't think I've been bloody asked this before. Um... It can be as deep well, or as shallow as you like. <laughs> uh, well, he, he would have done so much better if he had kept his hair, I reckon. Um, jo, well, jo, well, when did you lose your hair? When did I was 26. Shaved it off? 26. Yeah, when I was 26, yeah. Um, I reckon consistency and loyalty, loyalty and consistency is what people I think would say because I found in my life there's a theme that whatever I do, I stick with it. Like, you know, I, learned, I started uh, learning how to run, you know, running races and running. And I've been running now for, you know, 30 years. You know, um, Sylvain and I, even though we've been married for 25, we've been together for 28 years. I mean, whatever I do, I stick with. I've been doing my coaching for 15 and a half years. So I think loyalty, commitment and consistency uh, would be something that might be uttered maybe um, at my demise. You definitely inspire that in me. You, you, you inspire me, Joe, to be a master of my craft. You inspire me to, to find those, those nuances, those distinctions in my craft. Uh, when it, when, you know, it feels like, oh, you know, I, I haven't mastered it, but it's like, I'm pretty good at it. And, and to have that obsession to find, to push myself, to find those distinctions. And, and that has pushed me to mastery because I've, I've experienced you in my life. And, that's why I wanted to share you with, with my audience. Well, Colin, if I could add, thank you. I appreciate all your kind words. I really, really do. Um, I just want to let your listeners know that because I obviously got to know you, um, you know, way back in 2009, mm. when we first met, as you said, back in October that year, um, I've seen you, and I've said this to you a few times, how proud I am of how far you have come. If, if, if your guys uh, could have been on my shoulder or alongside me to meet you back in 2009, and, and the journey that you've had and, 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 and the plateaus that you hit, there was a few plateaus there where you just, you just stayed on one level for a while and then you went to another level. And, and, and who you are today as a father, as a husband, as a business owner, as a consultant, trainer, presenter, um, is just an incredible thing to see. And, and the reason why I want to highlight that is that I just want your guys to know that because when, they, when they're with you, they, they, they might be maybe comparing themselves to, to you and, and where they're at. And just please know that, you know, that Colin has been through the journey like, like you guys have been. And, and I've seen it firsthand, literally, over all these years. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and every so often, you know, I'll send Colin a, a message on Messenger and I'll say, you know, I'm so proud of you, you know, like I'm really, really like proud of how, who you are, you know, and what you're doing and your skill set and your knowledge around selling from stage and all these things, just incredible. And, um, and I just want all of you to know that, you know, 
if it's possible for me and him, and I don't want to be the cliche, of, it's possible if I can do it, you can do it. That's not what I mean. What I mean is I've seen firsthand the journey of Colin and his decision to embark on this. Now, he didn't have a clue in the first five or six years that he would end up running a business like the Expert Edge. Um, I wouldn't have known when I first started that I'd be having this experience of my life, you know, with my sons and my wife and the nature of how I live my life and working literally part-time for a very high level of income. It's like, this is incredible. So the journey is possible only though, if you commit with your heart fully to just walk through those long dark tunnels that are inevitable part of our journey. And, uh, and I'll say it again, Cole, I am very proud of you. I, I think you're, you've become like, you've just become, you've evolved into someone that uh, I look up to as well, who I have a profound respect for because of what you've achieved. And I know I've been to your, a couple of your um, uh, webinars that you do out in public, you mm. know, like on Zoom and stuff. And I know, and I've said this to you, I know the amount of work that's gone into that webinar. It's an hour and a quarter, an hour and 20 minute presentation. It might seem like it's only an hour and a No, I know the freaking work that's gone into, the depth that's gone, all the mistakes you've had to have made to have produced the results that you produce for people. So it's, it's, a, it's a journey of time. It's a journey of commitment. It's a journey of vulnerability. It's a journey of loyalty. And, um, and I hope, uh, I just wanted to say this because I want your guys to know that, you know, you, you, it's not like you were born like this. With it. You weren't an expert born like that. You, you became that because of choices and decisions and obviously action. So um, I really appreciate you having me here, Cole. So good. Now, Joe, there's going to be a lot of people who want to connect with you and hear more from you and go, what the, I'm sure there's a bunch of people who want to understand more about uh, the ambition to meaning and how they can do that journey through emotional fitness and so forth. So now, first of all, you've got a great podcast. So if anyone is in the podcast world, which you are, you're listening to it right now, please go to insights with Joe Pane. That's his podcast uh, insights. So you just search Joe Pane, P A N E. Uh, and that is just a great place to hear from him. I know for me, I listen to it very regularly and I'll, I'll come home and tell my wife about, oh my gosh, you should have heard what Joe said. Like, how cool is this? And so uh, definitely go and check out his podcast. And, and what's the best place online for them to connect with you? Well, I'd say probably the best place would be my website, which is just simply my name. So joepane.com.au, uh, being in Australia, it's a .au at the end. Um, on there, there's two things you can do on the website or three things. One is you can you can read about what emotional fitness is all about. I've also got a free resource there that people can download, Colin. Um, I have to remember what I call it. I've got it here on my phone. It's called the 16 questions to kickstart your journey into emotional fitness. So there's 16 questions to help you clarify what your values, what matters to you in hmm. 2021. Uh, and there's also a link there on the homepage uh, called uh, you can join my emotional fitness hub which is a private closed Facebook group um, where I do weekly mini 20 minute sort of weekly mini lessons in, uh, in the ambition to meaning journey and everything associated with it. So uh, that's a brand new hub actually college, you know, I only started it a few weeks ago at, at, as, as of the time of this recording and it's already grown to in two weeks as I think it's nearly 600 members or something. So um, yeah. So uh yeah, joepane.com.au. You can download the resource there of the 16 questions to kickstart your journey. 
um, or and you can also click the link there on the home page to join me in the emotional fitness hub if you if this work genuinely resonates with you. Yeah, I um, love that. And we will we'll put all the links in the show notes as well for people to just click on them directly. So yeah, cool. Uh, that's amazing. Definitely go and grab that free resource. Joe Joe stuffs the real deal. And my goal is to always bring on people onto the expert edge and showcase people who are the real deal, uh, the real deal with building their business successfully, but also building a life and a family. And that's, that's who you are, Joe. So I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, Cole. Deeply appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks, everyone. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.